0: Hello everyone, my name is Lee Nichols and I'm the Vice President of Content for Gulf Energy Information and Editor-in-Chief of Hydrocarbon Processing Magazine. I'd like to welcome you all to a very special installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's The Main Column Podcast. In this new series, we are celebrating the women of the downstream. In this series, we will be interviewing several women executives within the oil and gas industry. These interviews will provide you, the listener, with these incredible women's stories, their view on the current state of the industry, and some helpful advice along the way. First, this podcast series, Women in the Downstream, would not be possible without our generous sponsors, Merikim and Honeywell UOP. Merikim is a global leader in full-service sulfur removal, caustic treating, and spent caustic treatment technologies. Merikim also provides spent caustic handling services as an alternative to technology solutions. Serving customers worldwide, its deep expertise and comprehensive capabilities encompass design and engineering fabrication, research, and testing, logistics, implementation, and technical support. Merikim's reputation stands on principles of proven performance, unsurpassed expertise, and an uncommon commitment to its customers. Visit www.merikim.com to learn more. Honeywell UOP is transforming the way the world works through innovations in energy transition technology and process that helps organizations create a cleaner, productive, and profitable future. Over the last century, Honeywell UOP's engineers and chemists have shaped the refining petrochemical and gas processing industries by turning laboratory science into industrial reality. UOP's processes produce the fuels that power our cars, trucks, jets, and trains. They make the natural gas that heats our homes and serves as a source of power generation. They are also shaping the energy transition, with their full suite of Ready Now solutions to help transform the environment, including sustainable aviation fuel, advanced plastics recycling, energy storage solutions, technologies to replace natural gas with hydrogen, and carbon capture offerings. Find out more at uop.honeywell.com. And now, on with the show. So, hello everyone my name is lee nichols and i'm the vice president of content for gulf energy information and editor-in-chief of hydrocarbon processing magazine and i want to welcome you all to another edition of the hydrocarbon processing podcast series the main column today we have a very special guest joining us kendra lee who is chairman and chief executive officer of merikim today we're going to be discussing with kendra the current state of the hydrocarbon processing industry her background and rise to CEO, how the industry has changed, advice she can give to young engineers, and so much more. So we got a lot of things to get to today, so I don't want to delay it any further. So let's welcome in Kendra. Kendra, how are you today?
1: I'm doing very well. Thank you for the very nice introduction, Lee.
0: Oh, you're more than welcome. Well, first, uh, before we jump into the deep part of the uh, conversation I want to get to, can you just provide the listeners a little bit more about Merikim and your role at the company?
1: Certainly. American Company is a privately held company, but we've been around for quite a long time, uh, going on 77 years now. We were originally a um, chemical company uh, serving the industrial chemicals market. And as all great companies, we have evolved over the years. And today, I would say we are really two businesses that we're in. One is We offer services to the refining industry to handle their spent caustic so that it does not have to become hazardous waste. And we do that by taking the caustic and utilizing it through um, an environmental protection agency designation of beneficial reuse. The other business that we're in is a technology business where we license technology to various end users, um, significant amount in the refining space for the removal or uh, sulfur removal technology equipment and really looking at your lighter sulfur compounds in removing comp- uh, contaminants in both your liquid streams and your gas streams in the refining space. My role, as you said, is chairman and CEO at the company. And so really, what does that mean? Um, other, being, other than being the top executive, when I think about what is the role of a CEO, it's really one that includes motivating your employees, serving as that really that internal role model, um, and helping to define and extend the corporate culture across all the employees. And then, of course, you have the um, other stuff that Goes along with it, such as really having an understanding of the accounting and then really developing and presenting the budgets and the strategy and the business plans to the board. So that is really the nuts and bolts of what I do.
0: Excellent. And and so becoming chairman and CEO, kind of curious, have you always been at Merikim? If you could provide a little bit more about your background in the industry and how you rose to become CEO of Merikim?
1: Absolutely. I actually have spent my whole career at Mericam. I've been here for almost 27 years now. Um, you know, opportunities came up over the uh, decades now where I would go, hmm, maybe I'm ready for a new challenge and I want to go find something else to do. And ultimately, there was always that next something else to do here at Maricom. So I've never left the company. I started um, right out of college and I was a lab technician at our research facility. From there as I thought okay, maybe I'm not the best laboratory technician, not really a scientist even though my background Deslind, is is a science degree, thought okay, I want to do something a little bit more business centric and thought okay, let's let's look for that. Well, there was an opening at Mericam within the sales group for one of our product lines, and Mericam's always been very good about hiring from within the company and really trying to promote people and develop people, and so I was given the opportunity to move into the sales group. Um, From there, really extended what I was doing and was able to take on a management role and managed one of our product lines. You know there's nothing like coming into a business um position a uh, business or job responsibility that's primarily a business and not having a business background so it really made me think to myself okay i need a little more education here so i did i went back to school and i got my mba over at the university of houston And by doing that, that really opened even more doors for me here at Mericam, because then you start to see what the whole world of business looks like. And that led me to go, okay, there's more out there. And that really let me move over into the corporate world. From there, from the sales management position, after getting my MBA, I was able to move into the uh, corporate finance, specifically spent a lot of time in the uh, treasury world. And then... Got involved a little bit into um, corporate secretarial world as well, before eventually rising up to the CEO position.
0: Yeah, I would say you you well rounded <laughs> at the company. So you go from sales, or from 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 the lab to sales, biz development, finance. So. Over the time that you've spent at Merakim, I imagine you've probably seen some things. So I'm very curious. Can you let the listeners know a little bit more about, I guess, some examples or instances of how the industry has changed during your tenure uh, in this industry?
1: Certainly, I can think of really three areas that have changed fairly significantly. Um, the first is really You know, the U.S.'s dependence on foreign supply of oil. You know, we really gained um, independence when it comes to crude oil supply during my 27 years. Now, that's been in the latter probably 15 years of that as you've really seen the rise of fracking and the exploration onshore and the ability um, to gather crude oil. But really, the independence that the U.S. has gained over the last 27 years. The other area that I've really seen a change has been, and this was not a surprise to anybody, but the rise of all the green initiatives. You know, today it's very easy to talk about ESG. Most people know what that is, environmental, social, and governance reporting. But what's interesting is when you take a step back and you look at the industry, and the industry has always been focused on how do we improve our existing processes And that's not just from optimizing, but also how do we produce cleaner fuels? And so that's really aided this industry over the long term is really trying to continually improve and get better. And then the other area that I've seen a big shift is the number of women that you see in leadership today. You know, I remember going to my first um, AFPM meetings, and back then it was the npra the national petrochemical refiners association and you would walk into these big annual meetings with thousands of people and as a woman you really felt like there was nobody like you at the meeting you know you're you're really in a sea full of men and I've seen that shift over the years to where you see more and more women, not just at the conference, but also more and more women in leadership roles. And you've seen these industries really understand the shifting dynamics. And almost every uh, industry group that I've seen today has a woman's initiative as part of all of their annual meetings now. And what I think that really does and is so important is it allows the women at these conferences to see the other women like themselves. And it allows them to talk to women who maybe are a little later in their career, if it's a younger woman, to be able to really understand how do I navigate? How do I move forward? And how do I have this long prosperous career in an industry that historically was male driven?
0: No, absolutely. And, and this kind of segues into uh, my next question because and this probably has to do with i think your your second point and that's moved to the a lot more green initiatives that are going on not just in the US but of course globally and we're seeing that with a lot of sustainability issues you mentioned ESG and and a few other uh, major topics that are that are going on uh, currently globally so how has your company Merikim, adopted to meet customer needs with all of these different changes that are happening in the industry
1: Well, as I said from the outset, Mericam has evolved over the years, and that's certainly true over the last 20 years as well, Lee. Um, As you look at really the shift of where, the shift in the focus to more environmental and higher sustainability standards than there have been in the past, it's really something that plays very keenly into what Mericam does. So Mericam, as I said at the outset, is focused our technology is focused on sulfur removal well that's all about cleaning up these fuels and these products to provide a cleaner product and a cleaner fuel to the industry so really where we've adapted is really focusing as we see the world change from the liquids treating is very well established today and has great processes But as you see, the gas that is now associated with fracking, the secondary fuel source here with the gas is really the need to treat the contaminants in that gas. And so what we've seen really with Maricam is our focus to not just liquids treating, but even heavier focus on gas treating as well through uh, both of our different technologies, both LOCAT and our fiber film contactors to really clean up that gas, which is a great intermediary fuel to be able to provide uh, cleaner products to um, the industry as a whole and ultimately to the uh, end use customer. The other thing that we've really been focused on is trying to improve delivery timeframe of our technology and our equipment to our customers, knowing that the world is getting faster and that sustainability is an imperative, that whenever we do contract for a new job, we're putting elements in place on our operations that really allow us to deliver on a more expedited timeframe for our customers.
0: Yeah, and those things are so crucial, especially nowadays, that People want almost the cleanest type product that you can possibly get them just because of the environmental standards that there are right now. and especially getting it to them in a timely manner with with I know we've seen over the last year or so two years of the supply chain issues that are going on. So it's very, right. yeah,
1: yeah. and certainly, with those supply chain issues, it's um you know it's been a challenge for everybody in the industry. Um, but I think everyone's been navigating it. Pretty well, and being fairly patient as it works itself out.
0: Yes, the supply chain issue doesn't just revolve around your thing you ordered online; it's in <laughs> it's in all sorts of industries. So, yes, oh, that's great. So, I do want to get back uh, to your role as CEO because you are a leader of your company, and I'm kind of curious. Can you describe your leadership style?
1: If I was to give you one word for my leadership style, I would tell you it's collaborative. So certainly as the CEO, you know, ultimately I'm responsible for a broad array of decisions that have to be made within the company. But I've always felt that it's very, very important to look for multiple points of view when you're making those decisions. And the more diverse those points of view. I I just think you get a better. You reach a better decision when you bring in the input of others and you don't necessarily have to agree with everybody else's input. You don't necessarily have to understand where they're coming from, but getting that input frames the overall um, decision that needs to be made, because at the end of the day, at the ceo level your decisions impact a broad array of people it's not just one or two you know even at a company as small as Maricom and you're talking about you know 150 employees it's going to impact more than just those few that you deal with every day and so the more information that you can pull in in making that decision will allow you to frame the decision and Ultimately, make a better decision at the end of the day. So again, it's for me, it's all about being collaborative, really getting the input of those around me, and trying to get the input from a diverse group of people, not just those people who think the same way I do.
0: Excellent. No, it's 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 great to hear. And so I kind of want to then go back to your early days. So you mentioned that you started as as uh, I think a lab technician. Um I'm kind of curious then with this industry what person or thing inspired you to get into this industry this oil and gas and energy industry and um was it someone or was there someone that you looked up to um that got you in you know involved in the industry made you uh, gain interest within joining the oil and gas uh, industry
1: you know, I really wish I could tell you that I graduated from college and I just knew I wanted to work in oil and gas, but unfortunately, that's not the case. I graduated from college with a, you know, have a science degree, a multi- multidisciplinary bachelor's in science. And I realized that for me to do anything specialized, that would mean going back to graduate school. Well, as a twenty two year old coming out of college, the last thing I wanted to do at that point in time was go to graduate school. Yeah. So I was really I was qualified to be a lab technician. <laughs> and yeah. being in the Houston area that really lended itself to oil and gas. You know, I think if I say what really got me into the industry, dumb luck probably is what got me into the industry but what's kept me successful in the industry and what really led to building to where i am today is really if i look back further to not just and i'm and i'm using my mother sort of generically as that placeholder of all the women in the 1970s so i'm a child of the 1970s and you really saw a lot of women enter the workforce during the 1970s. And that's when you really started seeing women have big careers, and you started seeing them bump up against that so-called glass ceiling and rise to executive levels. And so if you say, really, what influenced my career, it was really a child being a child in the 70s and 80s and seeing these women, and not just in my daily world, but, you know, you started to see it in movies and you started to see it portrayed that way, um, that it is possible for women to rise to the executive level and that it is possible for women to have families and have full-time fulfilling careers, not just jobs, but careers. And so as I looked at, you know, maybe it was dumb luck that I went into oil and gas, but I think there was a lot of luck. In coming to americam and the type of company that maricam is that does promote so much from internal uh, resources that it allowed me to always find that next step within the company but also gave me a sense of it is possible as a woman to be married, have children, and have this full career and rise to the top executive level. So I don't necessarily look back at, okay, what drove me to the industry or what is that one person who got me to where I am, but rather the circumstances that led up to and the role models that I had, like I said, both at home, because my mother was a working woman and an executive, but it's broader than that. It's what you saw across that whole generation.
0: That's great. And that kind of lends me and is a perfect segue to my next question, because graduating right now, there's a young engineer right now, whether it be a, a man, a woman, that's probably just now starting their career. So you being a veteran within this industry, I'm, I'm, I'd be very interested to know, you know, for these young engineers that are entering the industry, what kind of advice can you give them to help them as they are now starting their own career?
1: Well, firstly, I have to say, being called a veteran in this industry all of a sudden makes me feel older than I think I am. But no, that's a term of endearment. Rightfully, so. <laughs> <laughs> rightfully so. Rightfully so. I think it's the correct term. It's just, I think that's the first time I've heard that used with me. Um, so, my really what I would say to young professionals today, and I'm a firm believer in this take the chances. Ask for what you want to do next. When I look back on all of these little step changes that I made over my career, they weren't handed to me. I wasn't a lab technician. And then they came to me and said, hey, do you want to go into sales? It was quite the opposite. Here I am as a lab technician. I don't have a business degree, but I knew I wanted to do something else. And so I asked for it. I said, hey, Can I have this sales job? And I interviewed for it and I sold myself somehow, some (laughs) way. And I took the chance and I took the chance on myself as much as them saying yes, right? Because I didn't necessarily have the training for it, but I had enough to know that I was able to do it if I was given the chance. So really my advice to any young person, be female or male, ask for the chances, take and take them. Even if you think, oh, good Lord, there's no way that somebody, you know, and from my perspective, somebody's going to make me the treasurer of a company. Well, you don't know if you don't ask and you don't know if you don't take the chance to go do it. And quite often, the one who's going to really promote your career, it's you. It's yourself. You have to advocate for yourself and take those chances.
0: Excellent. that's, That's great advice. And a veteran is a very nice dearment. Dear, <laughs> term of endearment in this industry. It means you. you're an expert. You know, you've seen you've seen the industry changes. Uh, well, <laughs> all right. Well, I got one last question for you. So this one I, I need you to to look through your crystal ball. Um, but I'm kind of curious uh from, from where you are uh at kim can you Talk a little bit of where you and your organization see this industry heading. And of course, how is American going to adapt?
1: Yes, um, you know, there's a lot of talk today about renewable energy. Um, And certainly renewable energy plays a huge component of the future of energy. Uh, We absolutely need to be taking Um, and understanding taking our chances and understanding where the future is for energy Um, and we have to capitalize on that but at the same time I think it's short-sighted to say that your traditional oil and gas your traditional fossil fuels don't play a role in that transition so I think this industry is transitioning certainly it's moving from what it has been for the last 40, 50 years, and to what it will be when we have renewable um, fuel or renewable energy, sorry, not fuels, energy out there. But in the meantime, it's the transition. And I think really you're going to see natural gas play a much larger role as the transition fuel. And I think that's for the next 10, 15, maybe even 20 years as you really build the infrastructure for the renewable energy. And quite frankly, today, natural gas is still one of the most economic fuels out there. And if we step aside from ourselves as the U.S. and we look at the global population, there is still a strong need for very economical fuels. And so I really think natural gas is going to play into that transition for economical energy, for the global population, and as a source to the petrochemical industry because that demand isn't going to go anywhere. And then as I think about how does Mericem really play a role in this over the next five to 10 years, it's really ensuring that we are allowing the industry to, provi- to provide the cleanest fuels possible by helping them remove sulfur and other contaminants and really allow the industry to transition. If you ask me for a crystal ball beyond 10 years with Mericam, it starts getting a little bit fuzzier, so I don't have that for you quite yet. <laughs> but that is what we're working on now is where does the, where does the company go next? How do we evolve? And what do we look like in the 10 years after that?
0: Mm-hmm. Excellent. No, that sounds great. Well, Kendra, I really can't thank you enough for spending a, a couple of uh, minutes with us today to to discuss uh, your leadership style, the industry, your background. It was all really good, really good conversation. So I really appreciate the time today. Um, and, absolutely. And of course, we really want to thank all of you for listening to Hydrocarbon Processings, the main column's special podcast series on women in the downstream.